Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome to Let's Talk Adoption. Thank you for joining us today. I think you'll find our show informative and very interesting today, too. Um, we're going to be discussing saying goodbye when you don't want to, um, helping people deal with loss. And uh, teens and maybe adoptive moms or women that are struggling with infertility, too. So there's a little bit in here for everybody, too. Um, I'd also like to remind you, if you'd like a weekly update uh, reminder sent to you in your email box, you can find um, that link on our site over at letstalkadoption.com. Just click it on, and we'll send you a reminder every week about our shows. So if you have questions, too, email them to me at info at letstalkadoption.com. Martha Bolton is my guest today, and she is a uh, Emmy and Dove-nominated writer who has um, was on Bob Hope's writing staff for 15 years. Uh, she's the author of more than 50 books. She's an adoptive mother, and in addition to writing for Bob Hope, she has also written for numerous uh, other comedians, including Phyllis Diller and Jeff Allen, and has written song parodies for Mark Lowry. She is the winner of four Angel Awards and recently resides in Nashville, Tennessee area with her husband, Russ. So welcome to the show. Um, I'm so happy to have you here, Martha. Well, it's great to be on your show. Well, we we've, we've got so much to cover here. You know, um, you're 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 funny. You're uh, you, you're very ins- inspirational. Um, but how did adoption touch your life? Wow. Well, <laughs> it's it um, when when I was it got married at 18, and mm-hmm. my husband and I uh, wanted to start a family uh, pretty soon, and and um, uh, I got pregnant, and mm-hmm. that pregnancy ended in a miscarriage, mm-hmm. three-month miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, we tried again, and uh, that pregnancy made it to the uh, uh, fourth month, fifth month, sixth mm-hmm. month, and mm-hmm. all the way all the way to a week before my due date. Mm-hmm. And when I went into my uh, checkup, the doctor couldn't find a heartbeat, so mm-hmm. they scheduled a... Um, uh, to induce the labor, mm-hmm. and I went to the hospital, and uh, after um, some 17 hours of labor, I believe, mm-hmm. I delivered a 10-pound, 2-ounce stillborn son. Mm. And uh, following that, it was, as you can imagine, it was very disappointing. I had had uh, three baby showers for mm. that uh, for our baby, mm-hmm. and um, uh, didn't know what to do. Uh, we had uh, always talked about adoption, and then mm-hmm. after that, we decided, well, we would go ahead and start applying. Mm-hmm. Well, anyone who's ever tried to adopt knows the, the waiting list that's involved. And mm-hmm. so we applied at several places and just, uh, you know, sat back to wait. And as you can imagine, during the, you know, with the loss of the, mm-hmm. of the two babies already, um, the waiting was, you know, really difficult. Yeah, yeah, and I, I couldn't even, you know, go to the baby department at, at stores. <laughs> You know, right. you'd walk by and, and you tried not to look or you'd mm-hmm. be invited to other uh, people's baby showers and mm-hmm. you couldn't go. And it was just a tremendous loss and disappointment. Well, uh, we applied, like I said, to different adoption agencies. And, and uh, we had been living in a two-bedroom home, and, and one of the bedrooms was the nursery, and, and it had become kind of the catch-all room. Mm-hmm. You probably had it all decorated with oh, the it was, very, it was totally decorated mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, all, you know, everything was new. and But, mm-hmm. but it, it had become now this catch-all room because, um, you know, just little by little things would get in it. So we decided, well, we would move um, on a step of faith <laughs> to a four-bedroom home, 
that we had found and kind of leave the memory-filled house behind and and start new. Mm -hmm. And we just believed that someday God would fill the Mm -hmm. bedrooms, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, some people laughed at us, you know, thought that, you know, we why were we needing a four-bedroom home when we didn't have any children? Mm-hmm. But uh, we just tried to believe that, that it was, you know, God was going to give us a family someday. Went on faith, uh-huh. Right. And so we were in the house about, oh, about a week, and we were still in boxes. And our church was having a revival, uh, you know, a series of services that, mm-hmm. e- that week. Mm-hmm. And my husband asked if I wanted to go to church that night, and I told him... Um, no, I didn't want to go mm-hmm. because I was having this major uh, feeling that that God didn't love me, and I didn't want mm-hmm. I didn't want to go and sit and listen to somebody tell me that God did love me. Mm-hmm. And um, so we stay, decided to stay home and and fix up one of the bedrooms, and we, and we decided on the nursery we'd fix it up. Everything was new, and and it would be the easiest we thought. So we we even went out shopping for some room decorations, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we fixed up the nursery. And my husband went to bed about midnight because he had to work the next day, and I stayed up from midnight to 2 o'clock having a, having a really good pity party. <laughs> right, we've all been there, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. And, and, and telling God I didn't, you know, how unfair it was uh, that, that we didn't have a baby and um, that it just made no sense. I, I, I you know, had this two-hour talk with God. And finally at 2 in the morning I, I decided to give, give it over to God and just say, well, I don't understand why. I mm-hmm. don't understand the why of, of any of this. And, and mm-hmm. I forgot to mention that when we had moved, we had moved into another county. And so several of the agencies that were working out of the county we were living in had called and had to drop us from their list. Oh, that's even so another blow. So moment yeah. of just everything was coming crashing down mm-hmm. on me. My step of faith was turning into uh, not what I thought it would be. So at uh, 2 in the morning, I decided to just give it over. And I, d- I didn't know why it was happening, but that I was going to trust God that... Mm-hmm. Uh, even if he didn't give us a family, that that was not an indication that he, you know, did, didn't love me. He already had proven that already mm-hmm. on the cross. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if we can't say to God, well, if you give me this, mm-hmm. it proves you love me. If you give me that, it proves you love me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd already done that. So I just gave it up. And I said, I don't understand it. I was honest with him. I don't understand it, but uh, but I'm going to trust him. And at that was at 2 in the morning. At 6 in the morning, we got a call from one of the agencies out of state that we had applied to to come pick up a three-week-old baby boy. Wow. And it was already in the works. The, the answer was already in the works when I was at my lowest point. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it, but, uh, but that baby had already been born and, and was waiting for me. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, <laughs> wow. so I was on the first plane back there. Oh, that's an amazing story. Uh, the adoption uh, director or you know person that was mm-hmm. working at the, for the adoption agency met mm-hmm. me at the airport mm-hmm. and handed me a three-week-old, six-pound baby boy, and uh, uh, so I brought him home. Mm-hmm. And uh, within within the next two years, we had, we heard about another baby uh, that we could adopt, mm-hmm. and I was six months pregnant. When we adopted him. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're kidding. That happens often, too. <laughs> well, I, w- I knew I was pregnant. I went yeah. into it with my eyes open. Yeah. But uh, it was just, you know, we had prayed for a son. you got to be careful what you pray for because right. yeah. <laughs> we prayed for a son, and God gave us three within two years. That no kidding. He filled up every one of those bedrooms of the four-bedroom house. Well, you know, years. we've had the same thing happen where people go out and buy a large house, and then they, they said, if I knew three or four years ago 
what that I'd be sitting here with three little ones. I would never believe that God had done that. And I think a lot of time is just letting go and releasing and realizing that, you know what, there's some things we control and some things we can't. Absolutely. And I, I think that's, that's very true. Yeah, when we're A personalities, it's hard, too. Mm-hmm. You know, in your book, you have stories by peers, and we're talking about your book, Saying Goodbye When You Don't Want To, uh, by Martha Bolton. But in your book, you have stories by peers who, who, who share their pain of deaths of loved ones, their parents, their siblings and friends, uh, and runaways and suicides and girls who experience divorce or broken relationships, and, and lots of other losses and failures. There's really grief. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are listeners right now that, today that I know that um, they probably have a friend or a family member that is experiencing some loss or grief. Um, what can you suggest from your own experience um, they, they can do to help, especially during the holidays? Well, I think the, the main thing you can do is, is uh, you know, let them know that they can talk to you about it. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so many times we go through these things and uh, these difficult places in life and there's we don't feel that we have permission to, to share our grief with people because people are so busy with their own problems and, and um, uh, you know, their own rushing about for mm-hmm. the holidays and whatnot. And if, if people just know that there's a friend that they can talk to, that they can open up their heart with and share their pain, uh, it, it's so comforting to just to know that you could talk about it, number mm-hmm. one, and that, you know, no one's going to look at you and think that you're selfish because you want, you know, you want this to come into your life. Mm-hmm. You want a baby. You want... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you you know you you want your loved one back or whatever it's a normal process and mm-hmm. and to just be able to have the freedom to to talk about that and to just be open and and be able to share that is is a real gift that you could give someone that's going through a difficult time and I think that's just just so give permission and I say be a good listener mm-hmm. and don't try to fix it you can't fix it yeah I mean, you you don't have the power to bring back their loved one you don't have the power to to give them a child if that's what their you know desire is you don't mm-hmm. have that power. But you can certainly walk with them along the journey until, mm-hmm. you know, they get through it or if, you know, they're, uh, in the case of a child, their, their miracle comes or, or mm-hmm. whatever happens, they've got someone that they can lean on and, and walk through it. Life isn't fair. It isn't. And, you know, there are a lot of really good support groups, too, and mm-hmm. um, celebrate recovery groups um, and uh, groups that have um, support groups that, uh, that if you don't have friends real close that you could go ahead and, and, and talk to, too. Um, but it has to be a safe place, I think. It ab- absolutely has to be a safe place. There's, a, yeah. you know, there's people in life that that will say hurtful things to you, and yeah. you don't even, uh, and they don't even realize they're saying it. They sometimes. don't, and, and sometimes they're just so, they're hurting themselves. I think we're all hurting people at one time in life or another. So it's hard because it's uh, we do bring pain onto other loved ones and, and friends when we don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, women facing unplanned pregnancies. You had a sweet little thing that you shared too about your birth mothers that of your children. Uh, what can you recommend to women that are facing unplanned pregnancy? How to cope with those decisions? But well, the, you know, the, uh, every every decision is is uh, up to the individual circumstance. But uh, I, all I can say is from from an adoptive parent's point of view, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I just want to say thank you to mm-hmm. the to the mothers who were. Uh, who had that courage to give up their child because it, it totally changed our life around. Yeah. Uh, I know I, I was carrying around so much pain, uh, like I said, of, of you know, when going in uh, to stores and staying away from the baby department and not mm-hmm. being able and just crying and, and uh, uh, just dealing with the grief and, and the hope and the disappointment and, you know, just the whole cycle. And when when I got the call to pick up, you know, our first son, mm-hmm. And then, and then got the call for our second son. It, I, I still to this day can remember uh, the exact moments, what I was mm-hmm. doing, where I was at, mm-hmm. and just the uh, excitement mm-hmm. of, of, of 
holding that baby in mm-hmm. in my arms and there's nothing like it there's mm-hmm. nothing like it and it just you, you know you still have the the memory of the pain but but you don't have the pain it just went away yeah. it just went away it got it got replaced with such joy mm-hmm. when you held that baby in your arms and, yeah and it's and, nice for birth mothers to feel hear that too because they feel like I know that's one complaint that I hear from birth mothers is the family's not really excited. And so I think I want to talk to somebody else, you know, (laughs) and it's like, oh, if you only knew. But the families are so nervous because they're worried about being hurt and their hearts being stomped on. You're very protective of your heart. Yeah. Especially, well, even even in infertile couples, they've Mm -hmm. they've. They've had the hopes. They've had the disappointment. They've had, you know, and it's that that roller coaster ride. And you are very protective of your heart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it's just you know because in, in our situation it was the loss, and you're very, I was protective of my heart uh, um, from the miscarriage all the way through the stillbirth. I was protective of my heart, and then that mm-hmm. ended in disappointment as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's just that there's a lot of disappointment. So. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go by that initial feeling. No, you can't just go protective. by feeling. You've got yeah. to have really good faith. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, um, we're going to share more with Martha, Martha Bolton about uh, one of her 50 books, which is Saying Goodbye When You Don't Want To, Helping helping Those Dealing With Loss. And um, Martha Bolton is a very talented and humorous woman. She's going to share also about her experience with Bob Hope and writing for him. So um, when you come back, we'll share some more of that. We'll be right back after this quick break. God has a plan for each of us. Sometimes we simply aren't sure what that is. Many Christian families are struggling today with infertility and pregnancy loss and feel forgotten as to God's plan for their lives. Is God trying to convey His plan to you? Perhaps He is trying to lead you to another path for building your family. Christian families are being built every day through the miracle of adoption. There is hope and there's a child for you. Visit LifetimeAdoption.org. Or call 530-432-7373 to learn more about welcoming a baby into your heart through adoption. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell, and uh, if you just joined the program, we're talking today with Martha Bolton. Um, She's the author of 50 books, but today we're talking about one particular topic, and uh, it's staying, saying goodbye when you don't want to, um, you know, helping people deal with loss and, um, and getting through that part period of time, but, but more than that, too. But before we continue, I want to mention also adoption resource for adoptive parents. It's adoptingonline.com. It's a book I wrote for hopeful adoptive parents. Uh, it's available at your local bookstores and online and uh, the book site, adoptingonline.com. So it's a resource guide that I think will help you if you're searching um, for some answers to adoption and how to get started. Martha, before we left, we talked a little bit about going through and hurting and, and about your two, um, you know, losses and then your joy of getting three little boys, you know, uh, through adoption and also through uh, birth uh, in three years. Did you find that, do you, in your own experience, um, have you seen men and women face loss differently? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, um, men and women face a lot of things differently, but loss is certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think maybe men possibly, uh, and of course there's exceptions to the rule, but I think most men maybe internalize a lot of their loss. I think grief. so too, right, yeah. And, and women are a little bit more um, out there. But I, th- I, I think even in this situation, I think women are, st- are still kind of guarded in, in some of their... Yeah, and what they're doing too. But it's, it's because, because it's... 
and also because the babies are born from our bodies. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the loss is even greater and more personal. Um, though I don't want to minimize the man's loss, but I think yeah. because of that reason too. You know, you, I, yeah, you felt it. You, mm-hmm. know, you, you felt it in you. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or you didn't. You never got pregnant, but you, you, you imagine you have dreams about it, you know. Um, and I remember how that too that did happen. You know, you've written many, many books, and um, you've got a fascinating background. Um, how did you get into writing? Well, I was a church secretary. Wow! <laughs> you see a lot of comedy in the church. So that's, yes, depends <laughs> on how you look at it, but you're right. <laughs> that's where I started writing comedy, uh-huh. and I, I would roast the pastor. Uh, oh. You know, if, if he was having a birthday or anniversary, I would get up and, and do like a Friars Club roast oh, on I love him. It. And uh, I had to keep changing churches. So. <laughs> <laughs> you fried him a little too much, huh? <laughs> but I—that I, is where I started writing. Was uh, comedy was in, was in, in the, the church. church. You know, just observing the people around us—it's exactly, uh, yeah. really it, life is funny. Oh, it, it is. It is, and, that, and to be a people watcher is, mm-hmm. is how you get a lot of. Uh, a lot of a lot of comedy, information but, that yeah. but I kind of got a reputation for uh, for that kind of writing, and, and different churches would call me up to come roast their pastors. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you start speaking that way too. Well, <laughs> that I mean, is, that is that is true. You yeah. know, from from writing you uh, and doing that too. Now you work with um, you were a writer for Bob Hope um, uh-huh. for fifteen years. What was that like writing for Bob Hope? Wow, what an awesome experience! It, it was an incredible experience uh, when I first. Uh, started writing for my, I had gotten the, um, a lot of encouragement from the church people to do more with my writing. Mm-hmm. And so for, I didn't have a typewriter that was working at the time at home, but mm-hmm. for a quarter for 20 minutes, I could go down to the local library mm-hmm. and use their typewriter. And so mm-hmm. I typed up a couple of spec scripts mm-hmm. for a television show and uh, sent it off. And um, the producer wrote back and, and, and really liked my work. But what happened in the, in the meantime is the show got canceled. Mm. But someone connected with the show happened to um, uh, like my work, and his name was Gene Parrott, and he was uh, a writer for Bob Hope. And so he recommended me to Bob, and I did some material for him to try out. And one night I had gone to a church function and came home, and my husband took the babysitter home. And I, the phone rang, mm-hmm. and it was late at night, and um, it was Bob Hope. Wow. <laughs> Calling your home. <laughs> he called my home. But now you have to understand there was this deacon in our church that did voices. So <laughs> Oh, so you oh my goodness. <laughs> so for the first half of the conversation I'm going, Okay, Frank, I know it's you and <laughs> so <gasps> knock it off. You're not even that good. <laughs> oh no, I love it. <laughs> but it was Bob and uh he, he gave me some he told me he liked my work and gave me some more uh, assignments and it just started from there. I no kidding. I bet you, you did a wonderful uh, celebration dance when you hung up on that. Oh, line. my goodness. And and my husband wasn't home. He had gotten, oh. you know, like I said, he had gotten to take the babysitter home. So I had to wait till he got back oh. to tell him. But uh, yeah, before was cell phones and all that type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it was uh, it, it was a wonderful moment. I can't I can't express to you how, yeah. how exciting that was. And then it just went went on from there. Phyllis uh, Diller writing, and yeah. yeah. Well, and writing for Bob. We learned. I uh, have some, you know, some fun stories to share. Share we, a couple of them. We had, you. yeah. He, um, uh, we. It was always fast writing, very mm-hmm. fast writing, because mm-hmm. he'd want to write about whatever was happening in the mm-hmm. news. So you, you know, if it broke in the news, you, he'd be on the phone telling you to write about it. Yeah. And this one, um, uh, one of my favorite instances of how uh, how fast writing it was. He was going to a psychiatrist convention, and that was the assignment. We were supposed to write <laughs> jokes for a psychiatrist convention, uh-huh. which was a comedy writer's dream assignment. <laughs> yeah. Well, when he got to the event, he 
he discovers that it wasn't a psychiatrist convention; it was a chiropractor's convention. Oh, how funny! <laughs> so we had we had just uh, you know just a little bit of time to uh, to write an entire revamp, an yeah. entire new uh, new script show. for it. Wow, that's amazing! <laughs> but well, it was it was fun. that was one of my favorites. I bet I just I, I can't imagine. You know, uh, what's your favorite memory of Bob Hope? Because you had to say goodbye to Bob too. Yes. Oh man. Uh, There's so many good memories of Bob. Um, one, one of my uh, favorites. I've, I, I have so many, but one of my favorites is uh, uh, a, a junior. My son, my middle son, had to do a junior high report for him, uh, for on, on a uh, on a famous figure, and he picked Bob Hope. And uh-huh. so he asked me. He wrote. He did the research and. and and then asked me if I thought Bob would mind if he uh, called him up and asked him some questions, did a little mm-hmm. interview on the phone. Mm-hmm. And so you're in that kind of awkward position of, you know, wanting to say yes to your son, but then also realizing it's your boss. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I said, well, why don't you call the office and talk to the secretary, and then, and then she can um, tell you if, if, uh, if that's possible or not. And I figured the secretary would, you know, handle it. And uh, so he called, and Bob took the call. No kidding. And let my son interview him for his junior high school report wow. for about 15, 20 minutes, let him ask questions and interview him. And uh, that, to me, that's just amazing. That is amazing. What a wonderful memory for your son, too, oh, and his I know. old class. I know, I know. And uh, another another really um, good memory I have is I, w- I was working on a project where I got to read... Uh, the letters that Bob received from uh, GIs during the wars, and, and I was working on the World War II one. Mm-hmm. And there was this one letter from one of the GIs that had written to thank Bob, and, and he described what had happened. Is he, he and his uh, company was walking to the show, and they had to walk miles and miles and miles. And by the time they got there, they would have had to sit, uh, sit so far back that they couldn't even see Bob, barely mm-hmm. much less hear mm-hmm. him. And so they decided that they would just turn around and, and walk, you know, go back. And um, the word of that got to Bob. Mm-hmm. And after the show, he got some of the stars into the into his Jeep, and they drove out and found that company on the mm-hmm. road wow. and parked and put on a private show just oh, for them. Oh, you're kidding. Isn't that no, wonderful? No, and the, and, the, and the GI was writing to thank him for it. That's so, so nice. You know, and nobody knew, nobody would know about that. Those are all those little private good things oh, that I know. people do, and, too. And there would be numerous letters. Mm-hmm. From mothers thanking him yeah. that he he would he would get the numbers from the uh, GIs that he would meet, and he would when he got home he would call their moms and tell them. Yeah, we we've missed that. You know, the people would go back to that now. Celebrities, mm-hmm. uh, what a uh, we need that. We really need it as human beings. We still need that personal touch. Oh, and he and he was so good at it. Yeah. He just had a heart for the GIs. Well, Martha, as we're closing down, I want to give your site Martha Bolton. It's MarthaBolton.com. And that's where you can get your books, information, um, some humor. If you're interested in having Martha speak uh, at one of your uh, events, uh, she's available. I know you do some speaking all over the nation. And um, uh, real quickly, are you working on anything right now, a book? Well, we just had uh, I had two books come out. Uh, one book, It's Always Darkest Before the Fridge Door Opens. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. co- co-written with Phil Calloway. Okay. And then another one uh, that just, just this week, I believe, uh, was released. Uh, in time for Christmas, uh-huh. and it was—it's written with Brad Dixon, a former uh-huh. Tonight Show writer, uh-huh. and it's called uh, "Maybe Life's Just Not That Into You," 
and it's a parody on all the self-help books. Oh, I love it. That's <laughs> it's wonderful. It's kind of a self-help book for losers. <laughs> well, listen, that sounds like a great book and good for any time. Thank you, Martha, for being on the show today. I really appreciate everything you shared. Again, your book, Saying Goodbye When You Don't Want To, is a great book by Martha Bolton, so it's available at bookstores and, and on her site, marthabolton.com. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye now. And this is Marty Caldwell. It's been a pleasure to be with you today. Remember to send those emails to me, info at letstalkadoption.com. God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. Marty Caldwell.